Dustin. <laughs> uh, welcome, everyone. Um, awesome to be with you for another Friday night. Welcome, Fads. How you doing, mate? Thank you, um, no, good, good to be with you guys and, and to be with you, Fads. And um, the, the topic for tonight really was just centered around um, kind of the idea of telling people about Jesus and how the world is getting crazier and, you know, whether our, our mission has changed or not, really. Um, but as, as I was driving home and on the phone with you tonight, Fads, um, you, you were talking about having seen the army um, kind of like on the Australian streets for the first time. You'd never seen the Australian army on, on the street before and it invoked an image of your, of, in your mind. Can you, you know, remind mm. us of that? Well, yeah, I think um, in the light of all that's happening, um, this just kind of came to me because um, uh, the army is kind of very, um, uh, you know, active in, in, in our areas, like, you know, making sure people are indoors and stuff. Clearly, the, you know, they, they needed the army to keep the Arabs indoors. Uh, so <laughs> they needed big moves. Um, but anyway, I was thinking, I was looking at like just the idea of the army and I've, I've always had the kind of like the... Um, um, like in the back of my mind, whether to join the army as a, you know, as a, as a doctor, pharmacist, physio, whatever it was, but anyway. Um, and it just kind of occurred to me that, you know, like when you sign up to the army, it's, um, it's, it's a very, it's a big move and it's a, it's a very, you know, life changing decision. Um, and you know, the army is, is supposed to be this institution that protects the country. Um, and it's, you know, it upholds its values and, uh, and its culture and, and, you know, on on a, on a case of a, of a battlefield or a war zone, they're the first in line to to you know to deal with that. So I was just thinking, you know, when you when you think of a, a battlefield or a war zone, you instantly think, oh, like you know, you're expecting if if let's say we you know Australia was to go to war, God forbid, um, and we we just out of curiosity we go as just civ as civilians, we go to the battlefield and we see uh, all the officers and the soldiers just kicking it by a swimming pool, by the beach, you know, walking around, having, having a good time, listening to music, you know, just drinks and everything. We would be alarmed, um, I feel like, you know, I feel like if we, see, if we see that kind of image from the army, we would be very alarmed and we'd be like, is that, is that the, is, are these the people that are protecting us? And, um, you know, like, why, how are they so comfortable? Uh, you know, you expect them to have their weapons always ready. They expect them to have dirt on their faces, you know, tired and, and worried and like, you know, in a battle. Uh, so obviously when you see them just like kicking it, you're like, what the hell? Um, and I think it, it kind of, because of the topic today, like the whole idea of evangelism and like, and sharing the gospel with other people, um, it, it kind of invoked that idea in me where, you know, we are also um, enlisted and recruited in God's army. Um, and that was never, that was never an easy effect. It was never an easy thing. Um, and you know, I think when, and like looking back at this army situation is that when they're too comfortable and they, you know, they have no worry on their mind and just, they're very comfortable. That's when the enemy, that's the best opportunity for the enemy to, to sneak up on them and to, and to attack. Um, and I think it's very similar for us. It's when we're, when we're at the most comfortable of times, um, it's very easy for us to get, for, to forget what the point or what our mission is. This army's mission is to protect um, and, and to, you know, to, to spread this, Austra you know, the culture of Australia rather than, you know, just sit back and do nothing. 
Uh, but when they got comfortable, that's when the enemy attacked. And I think it's the exact same for us. Is um, we we are we got too comfortable, and uh, you know, not sharing, just because of you know, you know, different reasons that we'll discuss. You know, we'll discuss is that you know why why are we too comfortable and why are we not doing anything about this and not taking any action uh, of accomplishing this mission. Um, anyway, so yeah, that's just something I thought of like when I was when I was seeing more of the army come out, and you know, it's just an interesting thought. But I don't know what, what do you reckon? Uh, I um. I think that is a really interesting thought, especially from the point of view of why somebody would choose to join the army in the first place. Because I think if we look at evangelism from the point of view of, well, we, we all, since Sunday school, we've all heard it like, hey, you know, share the good news, tell people about Jesus. You know, some of us have heard the actual Bible verses. Some of us has just been told, hey, this is the right thing to do. You should tell people about Jesus. And so from an army perspective, it all, I, I understand the sense of duty that you're describing and like, Hey, if you're in the army, like then you should be doing the job. You should be alert. You should be, um, you know, actually about the battle. You know what I mean? Uh, you should have your armor on, you should have your eyes open and you should be charging the guns kind of thing. That's the sense of duty, but there's a step that's before that, which I actually think is, is something when I was talking to you in the car, just, just before I got on the phone with you is something that popped into my head. Mm. which is the idea of love that actually underpins why somebody would join the army in the first place. When we were talking, you were saying, um, you know, you, you, you join the army because you love your country. You join the army because you want to actually represent it well and protect what it stands for. Um, you believe in it so much that that's what you want to do, that you were willing to risk your own life to stand on the front line and actually defend what it is. Mm. Um, and I think that that's, that's, that's a serious and deep kind of love. Do you know what I mean? And, and that's really, that's the, that's the angle that I've sort of come at this from when I've been thinking about it is um, this verse in, in Matthew 22, which is actually a really famous one. Matthew 22, verse 34. I'll just read it to you. Um, but when the Pharisees heard, uh, oh no, from verse 37. No, from verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. And he said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, all the law and the prophets hang. Right? And I, I've, I've never actually put two and two together to, to associate that verse with evangelism. So I thought, okay, you've become a Christian. It's your duty to, because, you know, God saved you. Go and, go and show others how to be saved, point people to Jesus. That's your duty. And so it was, it was the army without the love of joining the army, right? Mm. When this verse came into the picture, I, I thought, well, what does it mean to love something? What does it mean to love anything? And, and, we're framing it right now in terms of the country and the army and you talking about, look, why would somebody join the army or because they love their country and they want to serve it and protect it. Right. But if we take it with a, with a kind of, we go left with it for a second and we talk about a romantic relationship, right. When you actually love someone or have a crush on someone even, or, or anything in that vein and you go, you know, if it's a girl and I'm a boy, it's like, what, what does she like? What books does she like? What, um, you know, what movies does she like? What music does she like? 
You know, is she going to be at this place? I want to be at this place too. Why? Because she's there. Like when you love something, when you love someone, it's not hard to get you to speak about them. It's not hard to get you to actually want to be where they are. It's if, if they send you a text, you scramble over the couch to actually find your phone to open it up and read what that text is. You're eager to hear from them. You're eager to speak to them and you're eager to speak about them. And so when we frame evangelism in, in this kind of, from the point of view of love, not just duty, that the love actually drives the sense of duty, not the other way around, it kind of changes the game for me because I was thinking, you know, that if, if we actually feel this way about God, um, and we are actually in love with him, not in love with the idea of him, or we've just learned a bunch of facts from a book, but we're actually in love with the person of Jesus Christ himself. It shouldn't be like this, like super like slog thing to actually, um, for that to come out of you because it, you naturally live out and, and speak out and protect and, and move towards what you love. Right. Whatever it is, we can see that in other areas of our lives. So it was interesting to me to hear, you know, the, the, the bit about loving God with all your heart, because then you're actually getting to know him and being saturated by him. And then the idea of loving your neighbor like yourself, which is the bit that I never associated with evangelism, because I'm like, reverse it for a second in your head and think, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian and I live next door to a guy who isn't right. And I'm, I'm kind of struggling to, you know, go knock on his door and, and basically or start a relationship with him and actually share the gospel, right? In, in whatever way, build a relationship with him and, and, and somehow tell him about Jesus, right? But this idea of love your neighbor as yourself is what if it was actually reversed? And I was the guy who was an unbeliever living in this house. And the guy in the house next to me was a believer. At the end of my life, when I stand in front of God and he says, hey, I didn't know you. What, and I find out that my neighbor was a Christian who could have told me this news. What will I have wanted? Like, what will I have wished that they would have done? Do you know what I mean? For this idea of love your neighbor as yourself, when you kind of apply it in the context of evangelism, which I've never done before, is like, how would I want to be, would I want to be told about Jesus if I was in this person's position? If I was heading towards what this person was heading towards, would I want to be um, in this person's position? Would I want to be told, right? That idea, like, you know, it, it, it really challenged me, but there are definitely barriers to that. And you were telling me about your friend from, from England and the kind of the, the on and off relationship, the love hate kind of relationship that he's had with Christianity. So what, what happened? Yeah. I think, um, you know, like he instantly, the first person that came to mind was him. Um, and it was actually eight years ago last week is when I, when I first met him. Uh, when I went to England, uh, or about nine years ago, actually. Um, and I was thinking, you know, like, he instantly, we instantly became friends. Um, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a very, you know, strong non-believer. And he's, a, he's very, you know, he has, his, he has his views about Christianity, and he's very strong against them. And, and he was never offensive or never disrespectful, but he was just very vocal about how he's against them. Mm. Um, and, but... Like, interestingly, he always loved the, you know, the hymns that we used to sing in chapel or the, you know, just the Christmas carols or that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and we would also just joke around and ask him, like, oh, so what do you like about them and stuff? He's like, oh, just the tunes. Uh, but, like, I think um, 
one of the reasons that I felt disheartened was because I, I had been praying for him for so long. Mm. Um, and I'm still nine years later, not seeing any fruition. Um, you know, like, so now you start to think, so is it me? Am I saying something not right? Or am I, am I being too pushy or, um, because I don't think I have been like personally it's it's been me and a couple of other friends who you know just try and talk to him and stuff um so I don't know like I don't know what you think of you know this idea of like hopelessness and you feel like uh like I've done my best and I don't know what else to do um and I think that's one of the reasons that stands in the way of us or or of me anyway uh, talking to one of my friends in, in Australia for example like I've you know, I find it a lot more difficult now to talk to someone, especially at university level, who I know that they will, you know, always argue back with, you know, logical reasoning and, you know, uh, just uh, nothing, you know, it's, it's, it's a different kind of conversation. So that fear of rejection and that fear of like, um, of you know, doing something wrong is, is, has been something that's been in the way of me, um, you know, really carrying out that mission uh, that we were, you know, we were supposed to, to be doing um so yeah i don't know like what kind of things have come between you and um and and telling other people about christ man um i think i think your story is all of our story really like you know you you care about somebody you want to um tell them about jesus because you know that that's that's the greatest good that you can do for them um, and so you're, you're compelled to persevere in that and you actually, you know, you, you want to do that and you do your best at doing that. Um, but I think a lot of us, just to answer you specifically, a lot of us carry the weight of like actually converting someone on our own shoulders when it was never meant to be, um, it was never meant to be taken that way. It is this, this beautiful verse that says um, something along the lines of, you know, Paul uh, planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase or something along those lines. So if you think of like somebody had a seed, somebody planted the seed, then another guy came like a little while later, he had a watering can, he watered the seed and then he walked off. But the actual growth part, you know, Paul didn't sit there and sink to the dirt and suddenly, you know, plant magically. Like that's, that, that's a supernatural thing that God does. The ability to actually raise someone from death to life is is something that, um, you can't do just by having the perfect argument or by, you know, if I, if I only mention this point, if I say it this perfect way, then they will believe or whatever. No, that's, that's, something, that's a work that God does in the heart of a person. So you can plant the seed and the seed is the gospel. Somebody will water it by praying for it, by continuing to speak about it, by doing exactly what you've done over these years. But at the end of the day, it's God who softens the heart. It's God who's actually... Um, able, the only one who was able to actually bring that person to know himself. And so, yeah, well, on, like you're saying, when you mentioned the idea of love and even whether it's romantic love or just genuinely, you know, friend, you know, love, you love someone as a friend. Hmm. Um, I think what's disheartening is because you love them so much. And yeah. like you said, you don't want them to, to end up in a place where, you know, you're not going to be with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what this, what, that's what's disheartening is that you know like you know what their you know what the end is for them if they don't. But I then at the same time you're like you still love them so much that you you want to do but and then and then only God can uh, can change. Then it's it's that like that dilemma of like can I do more or like yeah I, um, I think I know it's that like battle. Yeah, bro. I, I think at the end of the day, we're messengers. 
yeah, we're representing Christ to a broken world, to a world that, that needs hope, right? Um, and so you come to somebody with a message um, and, and they're confronted by that message and then they actually have to make a decision about the message that they hear. There is a, there is a, a, a time, a point in time where you go, hey, you know, this, this is what it is. This is who God is and this is where he says we are without him. And so we've got to make a decision about that. And so if you have actually, like, the verse that's, that, that gets me, which, which you and I, I don't think, that, like, ever discussed, but it's, it's this idea of the watchman, the guy who's standing there to protect the city from harm, right? Think of the city as your friend, right? It's this guy standing on the wall, and God says to him, hey, if the army comes, if you can see the enemy on the horizon from far away, and, you know, the wall is there and, <coughs> excuse me the gate is closed right you're the watchman you're the one who's supposed to warn the city about danger if you can see the army and you don't blow the trumpet if you can see the danger and you don't blow the trumpet you can see it but you don't do anything about it and the other army actually comes in smashes through the walls of your city and kills everybody inside their blood all of their blood is on your head because you could see the danger, they couldn't. You had the trumpet, they didn't. It was your job, not theirs, to give the warning and you didn't blow the trumpet, right? Now, then it's your fault. But then there's another scenario where, hey, you're standing on the wall, you can see the army, you blow the trumpet, right? And some people actually heed the warning and go, hey, better shore up the defenses. There's, a, there's, a, there's you know, something coming that's going to kill me. And they actually prepare accordingly and, and, they, and they survive. And there is a group of people who go, nah, I've heard that trumpet before. There's no army on the horizon. Nothing's wrong. You're, it's a figment of your imagination. There's, you know, whatever. And they stay asleep. But what ends up happening is that the army will break through and will actually attack those people. But the thing is, from God's perspective, you did your job. So your job isn't to actually do the, the convinced, like not the, not the conversion. Yeah, we convince and we speak and we, you know, we, we, we do all of that in love. But the actual bringing somebody to life is a supernatural process from, from God's end, right? And so we present somebody with the gospel. We present somebody with the choice. Uh, but then after that, there's a responsibility on them and there's the help of God's Holy Spirit to bring that to pass as well. So it's like, it, you, like you saying you're persevering in this um, is awesome because it's, it was actually, you blew the trumpet. Do you know what I mean? Um, and, and you, or you planted the seed, if you want to say it that way, and you've been watering that seed with prayer. Don't, don't give up hope because God wants your friend saved more than you could ever want your friend saved. And that's, that's for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him. Do you know what I mean? But, but, you're, but you know, you, you asked me, what are some of the things that kind of stand in my way um, when, I, when I'm doing that and have stood in my way for a long time? Well, I wrote down six, right? The first one is sin. Um, when I feel like I'm not walking with God um, and actually obeying him, I, I just, I feel like how, how I feel like a hypocrite and that often stops me from actually wanting to, um, to speak out. Um, and, God's remedy to that is, hey, come to me, confess your sin, and I'll forgive you your sin and, and, and cleanse you from all unrighteousness and release you to do. Because when you sin, there's this, 
like barrier put up between you and God where you know you've done something wrong and like you need to remove that out of the way so that you can actually you know, have that free-flowing relationship again and, and live the way that you're supposed to live. So sin for me. Um, feelings of inadequacy. This, like I, I'm not good enough. Like this whole thing that Moses says to God when he's like, hey, go speak to Pharaoh. Tell him to let my people go. You guys remember the movie? And he's like, no, nah, I can't speak. Like he gives a bunch of excuses, but he's like, no, nah, I can't speak. I don't have, I don't have the words. Um, and God, God's response to that is who made man's mouth? Like I made your mouth. I'm asking you to lend it to me so that I can give Pharaoh a message. And he asks the same thing from you and me when we go and speak to somebody else. It's like, hey, lend me your vocal cords. I've got something to say to this guy. Um, and we have to you know, be obedient to that. Fear of rejection, which is the one that you said, because especially with people I'm close to, because it's like, man, I've spent so long building this friendship. I don't want to rock the boat. Like I'm comfortable in this friendship. Like I don't, I don't actually want to, I don't want to, um, I don't, I don't, but, but then what does that say about me? Like it says that I'm like, I'm selfish enough to enjoy what this friendship gives me and to kind of just sit in that and enjoy that while ignoring the train that's coming for my friend. Like, I'm like, hey, we're having a real good time in the city. I can see the enemy, but I'm not going to blow the trumpet because, you know, then you're going to get busy with getting up and actually preparing for the battle and whatever. No, let's just, let's just hang out and chill. Like, it's a selfish act to, be, to actually say, like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of rejection because you saying that is like, you're more afraid of them rejecting you than God rejecting them in the end. Like it's, it's, it's such a messed up way of like looking at things, but it's, it's just, that's, that, that's how we, that's how we, you know, that's how we think and that's how we feel. Um, the, the other one, the fourth one is I, I don't have the answers. Like I, I, you know, they're going to ask me, especially when you get to uni level and all that kind of stuff where people are coming at you with, you know, with some, some, some proper arguments and you're like, well, when they say that, I don't know what I'm going to say. Um, and there's always been this verse that I've, I've looked to, and I just want to read it. Matthew 10, 19. It's an amazing verse. Um, it says, but when they deliver you up, don't worry about how or what you should say, for it will be given to you in that moment, what you should speak. Um, for it's not you who speaks, but the Holy Spirit who speaks through you. Like how epic is that? It's like literally God is saying, Hey, rock up, open your mouth and I'll fill it. I'll give you the words. Like, I just need you to actually be obedient in doing that. And I'll, so this, this whole idea of like, Oh, I'm, I'm not going to have the answers. It's God speaking through you. But there's also a second side to that, which is the responsibility that you have to actually read your Bible, to get to understand and know your own faith for yourself. And Paul says to Timothy, you know, study to show you that you're approved before God, understanding the word of truth, being able to explain it in gentleness to all men and all this kind of stuff. Um, so there's, there's a responsibility on you too. Um, and then there's the, I just don't want to like, you know, Moses last excuse, like send someone else kind of thing. I was like, no, that's, what does that say about you? Like, and what does it say about your obedience to God in terms of the commandment and, and how much, how, how little love you have for others, if that's really how you feel or how little love you have for God, because well, it's not really worth speaking about to me. Do you know what I mean? Um, and the last one is I'm too scared. And if that's the case, then I have to acknowledge that I'm a coward. It's as simple as that. I have to actually look at myself in the mirror and say, you know what, when it came to the crunch, I was a coward in this moment. Um, and that's not, 
it's not a person that I want to be. And it's not ever something that I want to look in the mirror and see, but I've definitely seen it before. Um, and, um, and, and, and yeah, like mm. those are the things that stop me, but God has answers to them. You know what I mean? Um, and the answers I think are found in the, the love that we have for him and for others being stronger than the fears that we have for ourselves. Um, but what are some of yours, man? Well, I think just drawing on from like a personal experience, um, the whole reason I'm in Australia or I ever went to England or just where my life is today is because of that. And I, this is, and again, I can't take credit for this because it wasn't me personally. It was my parents, especially my dad. You know, he, um, he, he devoted his life to, you know, spreading the gospel and to, um, and even though, you know, we were, we, we, we grew up in Jordan. Well, I was born in Jordan and I grew up there and, uh, and it's not exactly the most, uh, you know, Christian evangelistic friendly country. You know, it's, it's, you know, Christians live, live there peacefully. Mm. Um, but once you cross that line of, you know, telling people about Christ and that kind of thing, that's, that's when it's a dangerous zone. Um, and I mean, I, I really admire how my parents, even though they knew that and they had established themselves in, 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 in Jordan for that long, and they knew that that was the case. They still went ahead and weren't scared of it. And but the thing is, not being scared doesn't mean that there aren't consequences. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we, they did it anyway. Uh, but then the consequences were that we got kicked out of Jordan, got deported. We're never allowed to come back in. Um, that's it. Like, and your life kind of just stops there in, 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 in where you left it. And yeah. then you have to start a new one. So, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at that. I'm like, I'm like, is my love, yeah, no, like, I just, I just really look up to that love for God that they had and, uh, and like, the willing to sacrifice, the willingness to sacrifice all this um, for, for telling a family about Christ. Because all it was, you know, the reason, like, that if, if we're, if we're going to pinpoint one thing that happened is that my dad was giving Bibles to, to a Muslim family and he was, you know, filmed doing that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and that was the tipping point. That was, like, the finish. So, um you know, I look at that and I'm like, you know, I, that's, that's such a admirable thing. Uh, but then in my life today, in my life today, I'm never going to be faced with those kind of, uh, you know, like ultimatums is like, if you wanted to speak about Christ, you're going to be kicked out of Australia. I, we don't have that. We, we're way more comfortable here. We have freedom of speech. We have all this. Um, but yet it's still hard for us to do that. Um, and, and for me, especially like I, you know, just uh, because I'm too comfortable in my own, like, you know, I, I find it a lot easier telling my Christian friends about Christ than it is. Yeah. And of course, I do. Because, because, you know, yeah, because I know already that they know better and like, that's it. Um, whereas, you know, I think the, that feeling of like, um, of like hopelessness of like, I, I can't, I can't do anything. I've tried before with a friend. I'm not going to try again. Like, mm. all I can do is just pray and then let God take the wheel. But I think like we have to be, we can't be passive. We have to be active in, in, in doing something. Uh, and then, but knowing that it is not our responsibility that someone comes to Christ or not, because it is, it is a supernatural thing that God, that God uh, is in control of. Um, so I think I just need to get to that stage of like understanding that it's not my position to, to bring someone to Christ. Um, it is my position to pray for them and to tell them as much as I know and to listen to them. Uh, but I'm not going to be the one to change the heart. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I think that's it. We, our responsibility is to blow the trumpet, but every person has a responsibility to heed the call. Do you know what I mean? Um, the invitation goes out to everybody, but not everybody accepts the invitation. And, um, and your parents are, are an amazing example of, 
just the courage of that, bro. I think that the decision really is to do something difficult or like to endure something difficult by speaking out or to endure something far more difficult by not speaking out and then letting the enemy break into the city and kill everyone you know and love. Yeah. Because re really it's as black and white as that. Like, there are people in your life who will die without knowing Christ and they won't be with you in heaven. They won't be with Christ in heaven. They'll be in hell. It's like the Bible is very black and white about the fact that there's only one way to heaven. There is only one way to escape the consequence, like the, the judgment that's rightly due to us from sin. And that's in accepting the sacrifice of Christ and actually coming to know him, being made alive by him. So, there, there is no middle ground. There is no in between. When you call it a battle, you're not wrong in that. It really is a battle. That's exactly what it is. And I think we have a, we have a choice between making, you know, between doing the hard thing of being uncomfortable now or facing the hard thing of seeing all the people we know and love perish, knowing that we did nothing to stop it. Like this, you know, this idea of, again, of, of love, like, would I rather I tell you and you end the friendship and walk away from me and me go to sleep knowing, well, you know what? At least I gave you the choice. And if I, if I was your neighbor, I would have wanted the same thing. I treated you the way that I would have wanted to be treated. I would like to have had the opportunity to at least make a choice, yeah. right? As opposed to what myself and most of us do, which is just kind of like, yeah, hey, I love you. I really enjoy your company, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put my neck out or our friendship out or whatever, you know, to to tell you this news because it's gonna, it's gonna mess everything up. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's that's a really unfulfilling way to live because what comes with mission, right, is that when you, when as you talk about mission, especially from the army and all this kind of stuff, and the mission that God gave us in, you know, representing Him well, is this idea that when you actually accomplish the mission, you feel like you've lived out your purpose. So there is a part of all of us that has been put in, inside all of us that we feel is unfulfilled. Like I'm living, like I'm alive, but I'm not really living. But when you're actually fulfilling your purpose with God, and this is a massive chunk of that, um, then you actually feel fulfilled. Like there is, a, there is a real sense of purpose that comes from actually living for preaching the gospel. Um, and living for Christ in that way and representing him in that way that I think we all miss. Your parents have devoted their lives to that mission, right? And it's, it's taken them all over and it's cost them so much, but man, that's purpose. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, would, I would rather live that way. Um, and, um, and, and, and so like, I guess just, just to kind of begin wrapping up is this idea of like, are we just part of my objection I think is are we just shoving religion down people's throats like is that what because a lot of us don't want to do that like oh I believe what I believe you believe what you believe and like it's kind of all good I don't want to feel like I'm attacking you or I'm judging you or I'm all that kind and, of stuff. and because like you said I wouldn't want it done to me as well yeah like, like yeah so yeah, yeah. Keep going. exactly and 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 so it becomes a matter of well one how how do you deliver kind of those words and when you read the Bible, you see like good examples of that and bad examples of that. And as you talk to other believers and won't really get into the nitty gritty of that now, although I really want to, but it's this idea of like, why do we do it? Like, do we do it to shove it down people's throats or do people actually have a genuine need for what Jesus offers? Right? Because it's like what I'm seeing. And I'll tell you a story about a lady I was, I was um, 
speaking to at work uh, just just uh, last week, or maybe it was the start of this week. I, don't, I can't remember. I think it was. I think it was last week. Um, we were walking. We were walking together, and she was just sharing her heart with me. And she's like, "You know what? I've been um, like I've, I did social work for a really long time, and I was working with at-risk youth. Um, and um, I I wanted so desperately to give them like." the love that um, they needed and to tell them that it was going to be okay. And like the kind of the, the, the safety and security that I knew that they needed. Cause I knew that they could flourish if they had that. But I, myself growing up, I never felt like I had that. I never felt like I had love or I had, um, you know, support growing up or anything like that. It was, it was so broken for me growing up. And I actually think that's why I got into this field because part of me wanted to make sure that nobody else went through that experience. But as I began to, serve these kids, I realized that I didn't have love to give them. I didn't actually, like, I, I was so, I desired so deeply to make them feel this way, but I didn't have it myself. And so eventually I burnt out and I left that field. This, this, she just told me this a week ago. I left that field because I, I actually, I need love myself and I, and I don't know where to find it. Um, and I was walking with her and I said, look, hey, like as, as an employee of this company, I can't, I can't help you. But look, me, me talking to you just personally as a friend, all of the things you're describing are what I've actually found in um, this person of Jesus. Like if you've ever heard of him, this is who he is. And then I just started speaking like this is, this is who he is. This is what he says um, about humanity. And this is what he's done for, for us and for me personally and when I engaged with him, this is what I saw and this is what I felt. And I've never had anybody put that much value or worth um, on me before. I've never you know, felt anybody treat me that way or give me that peace or that sense of purpose or that love that I craved or that sense of security or that peace. And so it's like the world is chasing all of these things and is desperate for them. They just want them apart from Christ, right? And that's where the rubber kind of hits the road. But it's like, is the message that we're preaching like, no, we're, we're, is it shoving things down? You can definitely do it the wrong way and it feels like that, sure. But no, people actually need, like genuinely are looking for and need what Jesus has to offer. And so I have the confidence in being like, hey man, this is like, I'm, I was just like you. This is where I found what you say you're looking for. So it's not me shoving it down, it's just me saying, hey, like those things that you're looking for, I found them. And the only place that I found them was in this person, Jesus Christ and what he's done for me and who he says I am. That's literally it. Like I've, I've looked everywhere else and so have you. And that's the beauty of it. So have you, have you found it yet? No, otherwise you wouldn't be having this conversation with me. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and that, that really for me is, is the rub. I'm not, we're not shoving something down people's throats where we're actually like, we're, we're, we're offering them what they're saying they need and they can choose to accept to drink from that well or not. Mm. But, do you, do you see it different? A hundred percent. No, I agree because the last thing I would, I want, and I would hate like just putting myself in, in, in the, in the listener's shoes. I would hate, I would hate to listen to someone who's Bible bashing and yeah. uh, because that in itself, that in itself is not reflecting who God is. No. Um, just the act itself. So I, you know, when I look at people and I, and I, I know it's each to their own and, but like when I look at people in front of like Flinders station, who are shouting out of a out of a microphone, uh, saying that you will go to hell if you're gay, or you'll go to hell if this and that. Like no matter what you're saying is true or not true, I think the way is very off-putting to people. Yeah. Um, and 
and I think you're right in terms of I would hate to be Bible bashing and and you know shoving religion down people's throats, um, and that's why I we need to pray and I personally anyway I need to pray for wisdom and eloquence in in, in speaking um, rather than just you know saying oh like you just have to believe that and that's it and just take it you know what I mean yeah well um, there has to be a certain amount of like grace uh, when you're speaking. Uh, so that people understand that you know you're genuinely doing this to, because you love them rather than because you're fulfilling a duty yeah um yeah yeah because it can sound like you're just doing it as a robot yeah whereas you know if you do it out of genuine love it will look like that um so yeah that's i think if you have that in the back of your mind that you're doing this out of love for them rather than out of like earning points for yourself with god yeah uh, yeah that will change the, the change the dynamic hundred percent. I think it's both ways out of love for God and out of love for them, because it's like, remember what we said, what we're talking about at the start is if I love someone, it's easy to speak about them. It's not a, it's not a stretch. So I don't feel like, oh, it's my duty to God, but it's because I love you. No, it's because from the love of God and, and my love of you, I'm going to connect both of you because I think you should really meet. And I love what you said about Bible bashing, because we're trying to introduce someone to a person not to a set of ideas or a theological camp or a, like where I'm trying to get you to meet a person, not my personal checklist of how to be a good boy. I'm trying to introduce you to an actual person. It's a living relationship with the living God. Right. And so th that completely reframes the conversation in your head because you're like, if I'm trying to introduce you to an actual person, I would speak very differently to, well, the philosophy behind blah, 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 blah. That's, but that's not what yeah. it is. The philosophy isn't what fulfills my need for love. The, the, Jesus Christ does that. So there's, there's, a, there's a, do you know what I mean? Um, I guess just what I, what I want to end on with you, Fads, is just what do we do? Um, because you said, hey, I, wanna, I want to have more eloquence. And I, I, would, I wouldn't argue against that. I would just say we actually do our due diligence in our Bible study and our praying and all that kind of stuff before we come to the day. And then on the day, we release ourselves to God and we let him put the words in order. Because, hey... We've done our job. God is now doing his, in essence, by speaking through us. And that's, that's really what it is. But so what do we do in preparation for those conversations? Because we want to have them and we hope that they come, even though they're a bit frightening, but it's like, hey, I'd rather be uncomfortable here than uncomfortable down the track and know that I didn't do my job and people perished because of it, right? So what can we do in the meantime? Well, I think... I think obviously like the main, the main thing you can't go in with this, uh, with talking about the gospel without knowing the gospel. Yeah. So, you know, the, like you said, like, you know, and just knowing your Bible and reading and knowing who you're, you know, we're, we're promoting, we're, we're trying to introduce someone to God. That means that we have to know God, mm. you know, in order to, to, I can't, I can't tell someone I'm going to introduce you to Shady and this amazing guy without me knowing who Shady is. Um, so I think, you know, like, well, for me personally, I, had, I just have to work on my, on how much I know God and, and knowing him will, will allow me to speak about him, you know, in a better way. Hmm. Uh, so, of, of course, you know, starting with reading your Bible and just knowing your Bible and, and asking God for the, for the wisdom and, and also praying for the right time to talk to someone because not, not all the time is the right time to talk to someone. Um, you know, like wisdom if I have a friend who's a non-believer and he's come, up, he's come to me for something that's really upset him, or, you know, a death of, of someone close to him or something like that. I don't think this is always the best time to bring up God. And, you know, like, I think that they, you have to choose or you have to ask God for wisdom in choosing the time. 
yeah. Um, yep. because not every time is ideal for it. Um, and with, yeah, just, yeah, no, I keep, yeah. What about the Bible? Like, do you feel like you have to know the whole thing inside out before you can ever begin to speak? Is that what no. you mean? No, no, I think, I, don't, I doubt anyone can know the Bible inside out, first of all. Yep. And <laughs> second of all, like, if, if that was the mentality, no one will ever talk to anyone about anything. Yeah. Um, so I think you just have to, you just have to like really appreciate what you're preaching. Like, you know, the main three things is what I'm trying to say to someone is that, you know, we are sinners. Jesus died for my sin and he rose again. Hmm. So, you know, those three things that I'm a sinner, he died for those sins and he rose again to redeem my sins. I think there's, you know, the, the, you know, the core values of what we believe in, um, (laughs) just really understanding that and understanding like. Uh, and just having a relationship like there are so many theologians and you can go and get a degree in theology from any mm. university and understand you know the theology of the bible but really having the relationship like you said because it's not a we're not trying to promote a religion we're trying to invite someone to be in relationship with someone rather than mm. something yeah uh, yeah yeah but you can never like yeah yeah i i think you're absolutely right my grandpa was was in the army and he was just a brand new christian and he would get these Christian magazines delivered to the army and they had like one bite-sized chunk of the Bible explaining it. And literally all that, he, he knew nothing else of the Bible. So he would take whatever chunk was in the magazine that week and he would go to a bunch of mates and say, look what I read. He mm. only spoke from what he knew, but every time he learned something new, he passed that on. Do you know what I mean? So you can't wait to know the whole thing because you'll never figure that out in a lifetime, like you're saying. But in as much as you know Christ, speak about Christ from what you know. Um, and I think that's a really kind of, that's a good way of doing it. But following on from that, obeying God in our own lives and representing him well to a world that's watching. Cause you can't live like, Hey man, you're at the club with me. You got drunk with me last Saturday night. You swear just like me, you watch the same things I watch, listen to the same things I listen to. And yet, you know, you're a Christian and I'm not like, come on, bro, get real. Like if we really do say that God changes someone fundamentally from the inside out, then you should look different to Jeff, who you're trying to preach to. And you will actually look very different if you live according to how God is calling you to live. You know what I mean? So obeying God in our own lives, um, living God's way so that they can actually see the difference. So like a mate of mine told me, like, we represent God. And then he's like, no, no, listen to that again. He's like, we represent God. We present him afresh. Like, hey, you don't know Jesus, but he, he is. Like we, like by actually representing him, we are doing that actively by being image bearers, by being, um, you know, people who actually reflect him on a day-to-day basis. Hey, you haven't met Jesus, but you can see him through me. Like, and what a high calling that, like, there's nothing in me that can reflect Jesus. I have to be like, I have to be, you know, away from the picture and let him shine. And that means obedience to him. You know what I mean? And actually doing what he says to represent him to the world around me. Um, and praying for unsafe friends and actually continuing to, um, to persevere in that because, you know, who am I to give up? I'm not dead yet. And as long as I'm still breathing, I have, I've, and that's been the case with me, my friends. Some of them have been eight years, 10 years, five years, and still going. Uh, but man, God is good and God is faithful. And it's, it's my job to do all that I, this is a quote by Spurgeon. He says, if people are going to go to hell, let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. It's like, hey, I will do everything in my power to stop you, right? Um, and then after that, it's, it's, it really well and truly is your decision. Uh, mm-hmm. And the last one from me is just actually take the chances when they come. 
I've never regretted mm-hmm. speaking to someone. I've, even when it went really badly, I've, I've always, oh, every single time regretted not taking that chance when I knew that it was there. Um, and, and, and that's, that's my closing like comment. That's really, that's really, that's it for me. That's how I feel. But what about you, man? Any, yeah. any last words? No, I'm, I'm with it. Yeah. On that last note, like just on that last note, with taking the opportunity, taking every chance you get, um, we, I've experienced that with actually a friend of mine in Australia. Um, actually, every time I'm with him, I generally feel like it is a chance that I'm, you know, that sometimes I take and I sometimes don't. And it's it's always me and another friend with this third friend, and um, we always just we always try and like refine our words and try and be so careful with what we're saying, just because we don't want to besmirch, you know, anything on God or like we're trying to trying to do our best. But I think we're overthinking it way too much. Like we are, like you said, what I know about the gospel, I should say and be genuine about it. Yeah. Uh, whereas we always, you know, between the two of us, we're always like, oh, we should, we'll, we'll go talk to an adult and see what we should do in this situation. And then by, by the time we do that, it's too late because we've missed the opportunity already. Um, so I think, uh, like you said, like I, that's something that I really want to start like genuinely living by rather than just saying is that take every chance you get. Um, Amen, bro. That's something that, yeah. I, I by the way, if you're, if you're in a conversation and you don't know, you're allowed to say, I don't know, I'll get back to you on that one because that's actually genuine. But that's, yeah. that's a, we can get into the practicalities later. But yeah, guys, like, let's be encouraged that we have a job to do and life and death are actually in the balance of the job that we have to do. So let's encourage each other. Let's learn from each other. Let's ask each other questions. Let's pray with and for each other and for our friends and, and actually, you know, pick up our, our swords and go to the front line where we belong. Um, so let's, let's close in prayer. Fads, do you want to close, close the meeting and pray for us? Um, Heavenly Father, I thank you that we are, um, we are honored and privileged to be on the front lines of your army, Lord. Um, to, be, um, to be ambassadors for you on earth, Lord. Um, and I thank you that we are, we are, you have put a, your trust in us to, to do that and to carry that out, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, to give us the wisdom um, and the perseverance to to strive to enhance and build your kingdom even more, Lord. Um, and I thank you that we are able to come together as a group and share our struggles and share our encouragements with each other. Um, so I thank you for this um, for this time, Lord, that we've just had. Um, and I and I thank you for the great examples that you give us, Lord, in your word, uh, Paul and you know Peter and all of them who went out of their comfort zones to speak about you, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, that you would make us more like them um, to really uh, to work in your harvest like this, Lord. Um, and I. I Thank you again for um, for your word and for the Bible and for what we can uh, learn from it and we can get out of it, Lord. I ask you to give us the uh, just the the, the courage um, to to be to speak about you, Lord, and to uh, to never be shy. Um, and even though we might feel inadequate in terms of uh, knowing theology, uh, but Lord, to speak from the heart about you and our relationship with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thank you, Lord, for this time again. And I ask you to bless um, each and every one in this group, Lord, for the, with their friends and in their workplaces and in their universities and schools, um, that you would just give them, you would be by their sides whenever they're taking this opportunity uh, to speak to their friends about you, Lord. Mm. Pray these things in your name. Amen. 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 Amen.